All right. Well, that was awesome, wasn't it? You know, I, uh, times like this, I don't know what to think because I want to say how awesome that was, but then I realize that everything I say is going to be a disappointment after that. So, <laughs> uh, well, congratulations. You get me this morning. Uh, <laughs> hey, you know, it's funny. It, every time, every time it's so different that the crowd second service is so different than first service. You guys are much more responsive and alive. I don't know. I don't know if it's the extra sleep or the extra coffee or what. But uh, anyway, I, I was really, really happy when Jeff asked me to to be a part, part of this sermon series, because it is just an incredible series. I, if you've been here the last couple of weeks, you know what I'm talking about. But we're exploring or in the middle of this series, there's a couple of weeks left to go, but we're talking about what on earth am I here for? And it's that question we're answering in these, in these several weeks, this question that every single one of us at some point in our lives, either in the past or certainly in the future, uh, is going to ask, why am I here? What does this all mean? You know, I can, I can trace back several times as a, as a kid even when I just ask those kind of questions. You, you all know what I'm talking about. You've done the same thing. Why am I here? What, what, what do I mean? What, what's my purpose? Why am I even here? What's this all about? And even as recently as last summer, I was leading a group of Grace Chapel people to Kenya, East Africa. We were doing a missions trip and, and our, our schedule or our itinerary was just all crazy. We, uh, we left here and flew to Chicago and then to London and had a long layover there, then down to uh, Khartoum, Sudan, and then to Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, and then to Nairobi. And we, I mean, it took us forever to get there. And we were in airport after airport, long layovers, wasting time, just watching people. And I can remember, you know, in London, just seeing to scores, hundreds, thousands of people walking up and down streets in the airport. And then these other airports where I don't know how many national or nationalities were represented in those places, but it has to be 50, 60 countries represented, all different sorts of people walking up and down the aisles. And I can real vividly remember and um, don't even remember. I was at Disa Baba, I think, but where I'm sitting on the ground, leaning up against the wall. We had a long layover. I didn't have anything to do. And I was just sitting there watching. And uh, and that kind of a question came over me. Why am I even here? What is, what is this all about? What I don't get. Why am I even you know, you start asking those questions and it developed into a talk that I've given recently or since then that I call the most the most important flea in the world, because I in those circumstances, I begin to think like I'm this little teeny insignificant flea on the face of or on the back of a great Dane, you know, the great Dane of the world. And I'm just this little teeny insignificant thing. But at the same time, that's true. I'm so small compared to the world. At the same time, it's also true that I am the most important thing that God created. And he created me on purpose, for a purpose, and in his image. And, and both those things are true at the same time, but it, we have trouble wrapping that around in our brains. So this series is really, really cool to me. I can remember two weeks ago, <clears throat> Jeff helped us explore our very first calling. Why? You know, it's kind of a boil it all down kind of a thing. Why do we exist? We exist to be loved by God. And I can remember I oftentimes when the music I'm talking out there and music starts and I usually uh, the start of service and I, I move into the back there and greet people. And, 
And that when the first when the service start, actually starts, there's like 10 or 12 people in the room and then uh, the rest of you come in late. And uh, so we're back there greeting uh, back there. And, and uh, I end up sitting on back wall usually and, and listening to the service. And and I can remember two weeks ago listening to Jeff speak and and he was saying, you know, when it all comes down to it, your first calling in life is to be loved by God. And I can remember thinking that is the most profound thing Ever. But at the same time, it's the most elementary, simple thing ever. And I, I, I want you with me to wrap your heads around the profoundness of I exist to be loved by God. Uh, a couple of months ago, the staff, uh, we went down to the Creation Museum down in northern Kentucky to visit that place. And by the way, if you've never been there, dude, you have to go like now. Tomorrow, go. It's really, really, really cool. Very professionally done. Very impressive. But one of the th- cool things, if you, if you go there, you have to go to the planetarium um, show. So you go in there and you're laying back in the seats and looking up at the like the stars on the ceiling and stuff. And they do this really incredible um, <clears throat> version of of our where we fit in the whole galaxy and all that kind of stuff. And so it starts off with a Google Maps. It's up there on the ceiling, but it starts off with a Google Maps kind of visual of the Cincinnati area and then it pans out and then you see North America and then it pans out further and you see the earth as if you were on the space shuttle or something and then it pans out even further and the uh, the narrator is saying is talking about how big the universe is and uh, so he says okay the earth is one of nine planets in our solar system if you count Pluto and then uh, our solar system is only one of many 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 solar systems in our galaxy that makes up the Milky Way and the Milky Way galaxy is only one I and mean, it keeps panning out and before too long you can't even see the earth because it's so microscopic thousands of light years away and it goes back and that gal- galaxy is one of millions of other galaxies is one of millions of I mean it just inc- it's mind-boggling so I am a, a, a so that thinker. So two weeks ago when when uh, Jeff was was talking, he's saying God created that universe, that immense beyond our even realm of imagination so that he could create our galaxy so that he could create our solar system so that he could create Earth so that he could create man so that a few thousand later he could create Kevin, so that he could love Kevin. And for me to grasp that, for you to grasp that, is just an unbelievable reality that will revolutionize your life with God. Please grasp that. You are created. Your first calling is to be loved, period. Last week, I was with a bunch of uh, Heart of the Outdoors Blood Brothers in northern Oklahoma. We were on a wild boar hunt, and it was freezing. It was like 15 degrees at night, and we were huddled around a campfire. We were sharing with one another, and, and we're praying with and through and, and for each other. And I presented that uh, thought there, and so we purposely prayed at the end, and we just finished our prayers. And Daddy, thank you for loving me. It is so simple but so profound. Last week, Jeff helped us explore the next calling. Our next calling is to belong, to belong to a family. God created you to love you, but he wants his next calling is for you to be a part of his family. And he wants that relationship with you. Now, I've uh, I've led umpteen missions trips all over the world. And uh, every time we go, it's in, in other cultures, especially it's very, very important to greet the 
the, your, the people you're visiting. It's, that, you can't skip that part. And so I'm often called on to greet for, uh, for our group, greet the people that we're visiting. And one of my favorite things to say, and it's become kind of a mantra of mine, is that uh, I greet you uh, from our people back home, but I, I want to greet you as a family because think about this. I am a Christian, therefore God says that I have the right to be called God's child. His, his, we are his children. So I am God's son. You have the same thing. You are God's son or daughter. I'm speaking to some person in uh, Nairobi or Addis Ababa or whatever. You are God's son or God's daughter because you are in Christ. So what does that make you and me? Family, brothers. I get on a plane in North America. I fly 600 miles an hour for 18 hours straight. I'm dumped off into this foreign land. And what do I find? I find my brother. I find my sister and I have more in common with that person, probably certainly with you guys that I do than my own sister who lives in Portland. I hardly see I see her very seldom. I speak to her very seldom. But you guys, because you are my family, you're my brothers and sisters. We're we're family with each other. And I think that is an awesome, awesome part of God's story for us. So that leads us. It's like building blocks. You are loved. You belong And now we're talking about this week, you are to become. So what's the first question we ask little kids? What do you want to become when you grow up, right? An astronaut, a cowboy, an army man, a teacher, whatever, a pro basketball player, a nurse. And what's interesting is that humans, we hardly ever become what we think we want to become when we're six years old, right? It hardly ever happens. But the Bible is very clear and it says that we are to become something. And it's very clear about what that something is. We are called to become something. So what is it? What is it that we are called to become? Jen read, read this verse uh, just earlier during the worship time. Romans eight twenty eight, And it says it so clearly. We've talked about this uh, verse the last couple of weeks. We're going to do it again. Romans eight twenty eight says, We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God. And are called, there's that word, called, and according to his purpose, purpose, called and purpose, they're linked together. Um, For God knew his people in advance and he chose them, here it is, to become like his son. So that his son will be the firstborn of many brothers and sisters. We are called to become like his son. That's our purpose in life. I am captivated by a. a a series of books uh, called The Frontiersman. Uh, You may have heard of that. It's a a dialogue. It comes from journal entries and diary diary entries uh, from Simon Kenton and uh, Daniel Boone and Tecumseh and Blue Jacket and all those guys back in the late 1700s revolutionary times uh, into the the, the settling of what we now call Ohio. And a really, really incredible, captivating story. Well, Tecumseh, you've heard of that. He was an Indian that ran around here up near Xenia. And uh, was kind of the enemy of, of the white guys trying to settle this area. And uh, Tecumseh was a powerful, powerful warrior and chief later on in his life. But when he was born and as, as a little kid, his father was the chief of that tribe and uh, died when Tecumseh was just a boy, seven or eight years old. Well, Tecumseh's older brother then had was charged with raising Tecumseh and uh, his brother took him on kind of a re- real man retreat when he was little to, to train him to even as a young boy to become 
like his father. And he, and he said, Tecumseh, if you are to become like our father and to rule our people, you're going to have to live a certain way. And this is what Tecumseh's older brother said. You're going to have to live pain without grimace, loss without depression, danger without fear, triumph without pride, and discomfort without discontent. That's what Tecumseh, I want you to grow up. And I just thought, I read that and I thought, dude, that is the coolest thing ever. I'm going to put that on my desk. It's hanging on my desk, this little mantra of Tecumseh, because I want to do that too. Become like your father, his brother said. So becoming like Christ, that's, that's what God wants us to do. Now, does that mean that we are going to achieve God-like status, that we're going to be like God if we try hard enough? Or we're going to be as good as Jesus? No, certainly not. We can't do that. In our human lives, but it does mean that we are to be ever on the march toward being Christ like and try and try and try and be on that journey to be Christ like. So how does that work? It sounds really hard. It sounds difficult. How does that work? And I'm a very kind of nuts and bolts kind of guy. You'll, you'll learn that about me. I like steps and I like, OK, how does that really work in real life? I don't like, you know, big kind of thinking. I like how's it really going to work for me, there are five times in the Bible, incidentally, that uh, this process is referred to. God refers to it and likens it to a running race. And uh, that means a lot to me because I, I have some of that in my background. And I'm going to kind of call this this morning our our marathon to maturity. And he also talks about that race many times in terms of endurance and and um, and 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 keeping with it and, and the, the long time journey that it takes a marathon. It's not a 50 yard dash. It's not a hundred meter sprint. It's a marathon. It takes a long time. It's a journey. And um, Jeff many times has, has said, you've heard him say, I'm not the same person I was five years ago or will be five years from now. We we're on this journey together. And uh, so I want to, I want, I want to pause just a little bit right here and, and give you a little bit of a look back into my life, just so you can get an appreciation for some of the uh, examples that I'm going to talk about today, because the scripture verse we're going to uh, dive into ha- is a really, really cool example of that race mentality or running the race thing. Um, many of you, most of you, nine tenths of you know, have known me for a year and a half or two, maybe. You know, Jeff, I've known Jeff for 20 years or so. There are a sprinkling of you that I've known for a long time. But most of you have met Kim and Kevin uh, a year and a half ago as we came on staff here at Grace Chapel. Well, you know me as the, the outdoors guy, the hunting guy, the archery guy, the guy who likes to talk you into shooting stuff. That, you, know, you know, that's what you know me. Well, that has been, that's kind of like the more recent Kevin. And I, I always grew up hunting and fishing and I like that kind of stuff. And, but uh, the, the intensity of that part of my life is only very recent in the last few years. Uh, my first 25 years of my adult life, from the, my late teens to my early 40s, I was the elite triathlon endurance racing guy. And you guys don't know, you, you, don't, you have gotten to know the old broken down chubby Kevin. <laughs> but I, wanna, I, wanna, I have a, and this not, purpose is not to, to brag, but to, to, to show you that I kind of know what I'm talking about in some of these examples. I have a, a pretty impressive um, resume, as you will, in the endurance sports world. Um, I'm a 15-time marathon finisher, uh, including uh, three Boston marathons um, as recent as a couple of years ago. Uh, I'm a seven-time Ironman finisher. 
and uh, got second place at America's only triple Ironman triathlon, which, get these numbers, 7.8-mile swim, 336-mile bike, 78-mile run. It's 55 hours straight through. And uh, that's America's only triple Ironman. Uh, but uh, <clears throat> because of my Kenyan birth, I can compete for Kenya internationally. And um, I'm the first and the only Kenyan to compete in the triathlon world championships. That year was in Montreal and did fairly well in that race. I'm one of only a handful of uh, Czech, non-Czech citizens to compete in their national championships in Prague and one of only a handful of non-South Africans to compete in the Gauteng uh, Provincial Championships in Johannesburg. And the list kind of goes on and on. So I know a little bit about distance running and endurance activity. And uh, again, just I just want to, that frames a lot of the, the examples that we're going to use today. So let's get started. How do I become more like Jesus? And and I, I was telling Jeff earlier, I, I think it's a mistake for pastors or speakers to say, OK, I have five points, because as soon as I say I have five points, you're going to be going, OK, he's on point three. OK, that means two left. OK, when you know, so let's let's leave it to say I have several. OK, today. So uh, several steps. These are just pragmatic steps that you can take to help you along that long journey to become more Christ like. Um, number one, simplify your life. I need to simplify my life. I need to cut back. I need to cut out and clean out some of those things that are weighing me down. I have to clean out the clutter. I may have to clean out some clutter type relationships. I may have to clean out some time consuming clutter like habits, expensive habits, maybe something that's cluttering up my life. I just need to slim down as far as my activity and my thought life and uh, and 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 get rid of that extra baggage that's just weighing me down. Simplify your life. Hebrews chapter 12. And we're going to camp out in Hebrews chapter 12 um, this morning. And incidentally, the, the, the words on the screen may look a little different wording to you. I'm using the, um, the Living Bible translation this morning because it, it just has a really cool kind of colloquial way of saying what I want to say this morning. So verse number one, number one of Hebrews 12. Let us strip off anything that slows us down. Or holds us back, especially those sins that wrap themselves so tightly around our feet and trip us up. Let us run with patience the particular race that God has set before us. You know, a triathlete or a duathlete or any kind of cyclist worth his salt is going to try to strip down everything that weighs him or her down. Everything that, that causes wind resistance. You're going to have to get rid of all of that because it weighs you down. It bogs you down and saps your energy and your endurance. You're, you're going to buy aero bars on your handlebars that get you in a position that will cheat the wind resistance. Every component on that bike, every part of that bike that can be made out of carbon fiber instead of metal or, or steel or aluminum is going to be put on that bike to lighten it up. The spokes on the wheels are going to be teardrop shaped to slip through the wind more efficiently. You know, the, the tires, the gears, everything about that. You, you wonder why they, they wear those tight pants and the tight jerseys and shave their legs and shave their arms is because they want they need to cheat that wind resistance. Everything that they can do to lighten the load, because all of that just weighs you down unnecessarily. The same thing in our spiritual life. All those things, there's so much clutter 
in our life so many times that just weigh us down. Maybe it's a habit. Maybe it's a, a just it might not even be sinful. Maybe it's just something that just gets in the way. We need to strip those things down. Uh, it, it's, 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 it's hard enough without those things. Simplify so that I'm a so that guy. Simplify so that you can run that race efficiently. Number two, don't get impatient or in a hurry. You know, we want so badly to accomplish something. And so many times we want so badly that we just get in a hurry and we ended up we end up just doing busy, 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 trying to accomplish this goal that we think we need to do. And we don't slow down to make it happen. This race is for your entire life. I already said it's not a 50 yard dash. It's not a 100 meter sprint. It's a marathon. It's a journey. That's why it's called a journey, because it takes a long time and you can't do it quickly. I have this friend named Bob, Bob Duncan. He's a racer buddy of mine, and, and uh, we've done lots of fun, crazy, silly things together. And uh, uh, I'm a better runner than he is, and he's a better cyclist than I am, about the same in the swim. So when we were in the, in the heyday of our triathlon time, we would get out of the water about together. He would forge ahead on the bike. I would catch him in the run. Um, but uh, in the sport of triathlon, you're not allowed to, to draft. You have to stay away from other athletes because that's cheating if you're, if you're, if you're taking advantage of the draft of, the, of a person in front of you. Well, one day, we were just, uh, or one season, we were just kind of bored with things. And so we decided to enter this thing called a skate bike run. So instead of the swimming, it was, on, it was roller blades. And we had never done that before. We had trained on rollerblades as cross training before just for something fun and different to do. But it never raced in a pack on rollerblades. And so this was out in Butlerville. And uh, and this particular race, you could draft behind. You could partner up with somebody to work together. And so we're, we're sitting down. We're lacing up our skates. We're getting ready to go. And we're kind of looking at each other going, OK, what's the strategy here? What, what, what should we do? Because we know we're not really good at the skating part. And we can excel once we get on the bike and the run. And you can help me on the bike. I can help you on the run. And so we're strategizing, hey, let's just chill out, be patient on the skate part. So get to the starting line. We're all kind of there. And the gun goes off. Bob goes, boom, gone. And I'm like, we just talked about this five minutes ago. You moron. I didn't see him again until toward the end of the run when I caught him and passed him. And I'm like, no, you're not jumping on my back, dude. You, you left me. So, hey, see you later. But we can't get impatient with this. It's, it's not a sprint. It's a long journey. And when we get impatient, you know, there's certainly things we need to do. We're talking about the steps this morning. But don't get all razzled and, and try to do it so fast that it doesn't work. The last part of that verse I just read. Notice it says, let us run with patience the particular race that God set before us. You know, if God wants to build a mushroom, he can do that in six hours. If God wants to build an oak tree, he takes 60 years to build the oak tree. What do we want to be, a mushroom that just breaks off in a little wind, or do we want to be an oak tree? I, myself, I want to be an oak tree with the roots established deep in the ground, solid, steady, steadfast in my journey. It takes a long time. Uh, I, I saw Joe up here the first service, and she had uh, her little um, toddler now, used to be an infant, but um, 
got me to think our growth patterns as humans. Uh, did, did you realize that a baby, an infant, will double in size in its first year? And then of course, that, that growth pattern you know, tapers off, of course, because if it didn't, can you, imagine, can you imagine if we doubled in size every year of our lives? I got distracted the first service because I started thinking about that. I was thinking about my grandma being like the Empire State Building. I was like, like, and then I couldn't concentrate. But we, we, uh, we, we, that, there are growth periods that are appropriate for that stage. And it's a long journey. Key number three, running the race of life. Spending time every day focusing on Jesus. We have to spend time every day focusing on the thing that we want to accomplish. You know, we here as a church body, we should be good at that, but very few of us are, including myself. Think about it. If you want to be a good musician, you hang out with musicians and you think about music all day long. If you want to be a good writer, you, you study that and you hang out with other writers and, and, and you think about that. If you want to be, a, you know, whatever, you, 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 you become what you think about. If I want to become like Jesus Christ, I need to think about it. It's not good enough to come once a week for an hour and think about it. Or once a month or at Christmas and Easter or whatever it is. Every single day, any athlete worth his salt is going to train every day. And it doesn't mean that that runner is going to run two hours every day. That would break you down and that would be pointless. But it does mean that one day my training might be as a recovery, getting in the whirlpool and recovering or getting massage or something. It might be weight training that day. But every day I have to do that. Think of it this way. Um, if, if I'm out there in the, in the lobby and I'm walking around with a cup of coffee and you, and you bump me, what's going to spill out of that cup? Coffee, right? If I have hot chocolate in my cup and you bump me, what's going to spill out? Hot chocolate. It's obvious. What's going to spill out is what's in the cup. Same way with my life. If I'm bumped, an unexpected disease or a tragedy or illness or a broken relationship, when I'm bumped in life and I will be bumped in life, how can I expect Christ-like things to come out if Christ-like things weren't in there at the beginning? I have to fill myself up and I need to do that every single day with things that are Christ-like. Hebrews chapter 12, the next verse, verse two says, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. That's focusing him every day on whom our faith depends from start to finish. Like so many of you, I am bad at that. We are all fairly poor. And I'm not saying we have to read. Okay, you have to read your Bible eight hours a day. You know, you're not going to be able to keep that up, but you need to to do something every day. Uh, I was really, really proud of uh, our daughter, Whitney, she's in college over in Anderson, Indiana, sophomore, and her boyfriend, Donovan, is here. And um, so they together are working on a read through the Bible in a year program. But they know, she knows that college life gets crazy and homework and whatever else gets crazy over there. He knows that his job gets crazy over here. He's working on a third shift thing and sleeps a lot during the day and all that. And uh and they know that that's not going to accomplish. So they call we, Kim and I were talking to her on the phone a couple of days ago. And she said, um, hey, Donovan and I call each other every single night at a certain time. To remind each other to do that little Bible reading. And we ask each other, did you? Are you sure you did? 
prove it. What did it say? And they remind every single day. Maybe you need to do something like that. Maybe I need to do something like that. We have to focus on God, on Jesus every single day. The fourth thing, life gets hard. And when it gets hard, you need to remember the reward. Keep that reward out in front of you. Life is going to get hard and you need to keep that in front of you. Distance running and and endurance sports are really interesting animal. I, uh, that race I was telling you about, that 55-hour race. Can you, a, a psychologist, a psychiatrist would have a heyday following me around and listening to my thoughts during that 55 hours. I mean, it's just ups and downs and ups and downs emotionally. You get in the water and you're thinking, oh, this is great. This is awesome. I feel good. And then two or three hours later, you're like, oh, my shoulder's about ready to fall off. This stupid wetsuit is grinding on my neck. I wish I would have just stayed home. And then an hour later, hey, I'm out of the water. This is great. I'm getting on my bike. Oh, I could keep this pace up forever. And then four or five hours later, oh, stupid bike. I hate this bike. I wish I would have sold it, you know. And uh, you just go through these ups and downs and ups and downs. And then 18 hours into the bike, uh, here, here's, uh, so that leads up to the Kevin, you're a moron story of the day. Uh, so the, uh, I was really hungry. I was really sick and tired of drinking protein shakes and eating power bars for hour on hour, hour after hour. And so I remembered, okay, my goofy brain, probably half hallucinating brain remembers, hey, when we were driving to Virginia four days ago, we were really hungry and we stopped at McDonald's and I thought cheeseburgers sounded really, really good. So I bought like five of them. Okay. And so I ate one, put the rest in the trunk of the car four days ago cheeseburger. Okay. So 18 hours into the bike, mm, those cheese, I bet you those cheeseburgers are still in their car. Next transition area. Hey, Mike, give me that cheeseburger. I'll be back in an hour. Give me those cheeseburgers. Okay. I spent three hours in the tent puking my brains out because I ate those four day old rotten cheeseburgers. Downtime. But I knew that Okay, get it all out. It'll get better. I still have 30 hours to go. Suck it up. Just do it. There's a reward at the end. Life gets hard. Bumps, hills, valleys, ups and downs. You can't get away from that. When God says, I want you to become more like my son, he he means it. To become more like my son, Jesus Christ, I want you to become like Jesus Christ. And part of that is you need to live out like Jesus Christ lived. Were there times where Jesus was lonely? Yeah, we read about that in the Bible. Were there times where Jesus was criticized? Of course. Were there times where he was betrayed? When he was worn out and beaten down and just wanted to quit? Yeah, we read about that in the Bible. Were there times where Jesus was misunderstood? Yeah. But God knew that on the end of that, was victory and a reward. And God knows if, if he was going to put his own son through that, do you think he's going to let us escape that? No, there's going to be tough times. But at the end, there's a reward. We should not be surprised when tough times come. You know, this is not the easy part of our eternal life. And by the way, uh, I, I just think this is a really cool concept. You, your eternal life does not start when you die. Your eternal life started 
when you accepted Christ into your life. You're in the mid, you're in the early parts of your eternal life. It's, it's happening right now. But this is not the easy part of that eternal life. The easy part gets later when you see him in heaven. Hebrews chapter 12, the next verse, 2 and 3, says, Jesus did not give up when he was running his race because of the cross. On the contrary, because of the joy that was waiting for him, he thought nothing of the disgrace of dying on the cross. And now he's seated at the right hand of God's throne. So think of what he went through, all the junk that he went through and the hatred from the sinners. Don't let yourselves become discouraged and give up. The hard times are part of the plan. But there's good times coming. Step number five, gather a team to run with you. Life is way, way too hard to do on your own. Gather a team to run with you. Uh, Kim, this goes back about six, seven years. Kim was training uh, for her first Ironman. Kim and my wife, Kim, incidentally, is a three-time Ironman finisher and a trumpet player and a bass player and a keyboard player. And she's totally hot to boot. So, but anyway... (laughs) Uh, we're training, she's training for her first Ironman. Uh, we go out to Salt Lake city, Utah to run that race. And, um, literally a half an hour before the race, we're all actually in the water waiting for the gun to go off. This renegade just wind comes down through the Canyon, whips up the surface of that lake, just destroys everything. The buoys are floating down. People on the kayaks are capsizing boats and it just, it, it just breaks down. One guy ended up drowning, died. There were people that were being airlifted out of the water from helicopters, and it was just a disaster. So we come back, and one of our really good friends uh, said, Kim, oh, I'm so disappointed for you. I, I hate it that, that that turned out that way. I want to organize your own personal Ironman distance race, and uh, you'll just do it all by yourself. I'll, I'll set up the course. We'll put out aid stations. I'll get people to cheer. We'll do all this kind of stuff, and on this day, uh, you can do it and Kevin can do it with you. So Kim and I did that. When I look back at the top five, six athletic achievements in my life and cool times, that one is the number one. She could not, have, it was a million degrees in the shade. It was like a hundred and something. It was in July. She could not have done that without me. I could not have done it without her. You cannot live this life and get down that journey of Christ likeness without a team gather a team to run with you there's an old african uh, proverb that says if you run if you want to run fast run by yourself if you want to run far run with other people gather a team next remember that god is cheering for you at every stage now some of you are under this mistaken idea that god only smiles at you when you're good or that God's, God is pleased with you only when you do good things. Or, or at the end of your life, when, you're finally, when you finally made it, then he's going to be happy with me. But in the meantime, every time I mess up, he's, you know, he's, he's angry or he's mad or, or, or something else. We, we're under that mistaken idea that he, he's only happy when I'm good. And that, that, that's, that doesn't work. First of all, it's wrong. Second of all, it doesn't work because... you're not going to be good all the time. So is God happy? No, he's not happy. Is God happy? No, he's not. No. Jeff talked about this a few weeks ago. You're justified. You're reconciled. You're redeemed. It's just as if I never sinned when I accept Christ. He's happy with me. He's my cheerleader. Um, You know, I've talked about the the baby before. Nobody, Nobody looks at a baby 
and criticizes that baby because it can't read. We don't say, dumb, dumb, dumb baby, why can't you read War and Peace? You know, that doesn't happen because we understand that there are stages in our development. I don't, I don't look at a, an eight-year-old and say, I am so angry with you because you can't drive or you can't balance your checkbook. No, because I understand the stages of that life. I, some little four or five-year-old kid gave me a picture a little while back. And I, I look at that picture. Of, it was like a self-portrait. We're doing the archery thing. And, and, uh, and I don't look at the picture and say, what were you thinking? My legs coming out of my you know, my rib. What's up with that picture? Go back and do it right. You know, I, I don't say that because I understand that there are stages in a kid's artistic development. It's the same way with us. God understands. God is not angry with me when I don't measure up. Remember, Jeff said many times there is no condemnation. It's, it's in the Bible. There's no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus. You know, uh, God cheers you more when you stumble. He cheers you more because he wants to lift you up. You're okay in his eyes because you're justified. Next step. Don't get uh, to where you're going through life just purposeless. Have a purpose in every step that you take. Be purposeful. I have a, when I first moved to Lebanon area 22 years ago ish i was working at the ymca uh, countryside up there in lebanon and had a bunch of friends that would would run at noontime and sometimes i'd run with them and um sometimes they'd just go out and run together but it's a group of seven or eight guys and and uh they would run the same exact six mile course every day every day same course over and over again same pace they would run from the y up to the fairgrounds and back eight minute miles or whatever. And then we would go to races uh, periodically, Cincinnati or some other place. And they would complain vehemently about, man, my time was the same as it was last year. I'm running all this and I'm not getting any faster. And I would look at them and say, what do you expect? You're training yourself really, really, really good to run eight minute miles because that's all you do. You can't expect to run six minute miles at a race when you don't train to run you know, you, you're not training yourself to do anything other than what you do every day. You have to take every step with purpose. I need to take every breath with purpose, every step, everything that I watch, everything that I read, everything that I listen to, the relationships I need. Life is too short and too unpredictable to be without purpose. You know, I don't, I don't want to waste, I don't want to look back 20 years from now and say, what the heck? What, what did I accomplish? What did I do? Because I didn't do things with a purpose. 1 Corinthians 9 says all athletes practice self-control. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But I do it, we do it for an eternal prize. So I run straight to the goal with a purpose in every step. I'm not a boxer who misses his punches. So Paul here is saying, I'm not like a boxer who just flails away at the air for no good reason. Every punch that I... Punch is with purpose. I want to make a hit. I want to make an impact with that punch. Everything that we do, every step, we needs to be... Maybe it's a self-evaluation you need to, to do that I need to do. What is it in my life? Are there things in my life that are purposeless? And I need to get rid of those. Lastly, did you count them? There were eight. 
I knew I shouldn't have told you there were eight at the beginning because I would have lost you. So there were eight. Lastly, realize that what I do not finish, God will. What I do not finish, God will. Listen to this. Philippians 1. This is an awesome promise. It says, I am sure that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day that Jesus comes back. I want listen to this. I want I want you to get this. It is not your job to finish you. It's not my job to finish me. My job is to take steps with purpose to go every day as if I'm trying to be more Christ like to do this long journey with endurance to gather people around me to do all of these steps that we've talked about this morning. That's my job. God's job is to finish me. In the end, it would get way too frustrating if I thought my job was to finish me. I can't I can't do it. It's impossible. You can't do it. And it's not my job anyway. At the end of your life, when you meet God in heaven, well done, my good and faithful servant. His job is to complete me and to finish me at that point. All my weakness gone all my frailties gone, all my limps gone, all my illness gone, all my insecurities and and junk gone. Until that point, I need to pound my way through and try to be more like him. At that point, I'm going to reflect his glory, but not until, and it's his job. Let's pray. Jesus, uh, I thank you this morning for guiding us through some steps to be more like you. And Jesus, I, I, that's my goal. I want to be more like you. You're my brother. You're my God and my brother at the same time, and I love you, and I want to be more like you. Please help me get rid of the stuff that doesn't help and to add the stuff that does. I praise you because you made me wonderfully in your image. And Jesus, I give you permission to seek my thoughts to seek my motivations to search me inside and to eliminate those things that are not pleasing to you and i give you permission and i look forward with anxiousness to the the things that you're going to add to me and for my brothers and sisters in this room thank you so much for them and daddy thank you for loving me amen well before you get up uh I want to show you a video. I purposely did not show this early on because I didn't want to break the mood, but it's really, really, really cool. So sit back there coming to a church, Grace Chapel, right across the parking lot, coming soon to a church near you. Watch this video.
you thought our archery story was cool before? Dudes, wait. That stuff's on its way. It'll be here in a week. We're going to start junior high leagues. We're going to start high school leagues, adult leagues over here in the Grace Impact Center. We're going to do birthday parties, graduation parties, you name it. We're going to do corporate events where corporations are going to come and train and do team building skills through that. We're going to, it's a whole business tree that we're going to start revolving around archery and archery tag. It's on its way. What high school junior high kid on the face of the earth is not going to beat down the doors of Grace Chapel to play archery tag? Oh, man, it's on its way. Hey, have an awesome Sunday morning. Uh, Blessings.